God has something to say to us today, so be ready to receive it. Thank you, Father. The entrance of your word gives light. And it brings understanding to the simple. So may we be simple people this day who will simply receive your word. Open our hearts, open our minds, that as your servant speaks, we will hear your voice. Thank you, Father, that your word is able to change us to transform us, to conform us to the image of your Son. So may we be open to receive. Thank you for your servant. May he be blessed as he speaks your word. And may we be blessed as we receive your word. Amen. 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 Am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah, well, um, I wish Randolph hadn't given me such a big bill. <laughs> Please. Um, you know, it's not a plot that I'm here, it's just circumstance, you know. So, even though I've spoken sort of the week before last and this week, it is just circumstance. It's no dire plot to put me out here and you know, let me uh, perhaps say what I want to say. Um, it was really good to hear Eva speak. It was beautiful to hear a woman of faith and love and perception uh, give a testimony and a witness, which is really strengthening. You know, and I thank God for you. Um, what I've got to say is really simple once more. It's not deeply anything, it's just what it is. Uh, I'm going to look at uh, the first, the book of First Samuel, the first chapter mainly, and that's about it really. You know, so if anybody wants to look at that, they can. Um, Hannah and Samuel and Eli, perhaps and possibly even Elkanah and Penina might well be familiar or very familiar names to us. We would or really should know the story, at least in part very well, the beginning the middle and the end, and even what happened next. It's laid out for us, plain to see, an account with a beginning, with a middle, and with an end. And we rejoice and marvel at the outworking of God's answer to Hannah's prayer familiar, I'm sure, to all of us. And we tend to perhaps stop there, 
for it is she and her prayer which draw both our eyes and our attention. For us, it's an accomplished matter. And because of that, we might fail to look at it, not the prayer, but the passage, not theologically, but quite closely. For them, the people involved, it was a walk of faith. Not knowing as we do, in retrospect, the beginning from the end. Just as in our lives, they had to walk through each day without seeing or knowing the future. An outworking, day by day, until an arrival. Not really knowing quite where they were going, or even why things were as they were. Under the guiding hand of their God and Father, and ours also, as he worked out his plans and his purposes in and through their lives. In the apocryphal book of Ecclesiasticus, or Sirach, as it is also known, chapter 2 and verse 1, there is a bit which says, My son, if you aspire to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for an ordeal. And so it was for Elkanah, which name means the zeal of God, and for the main character, as we think at times, Hannah, which means favour or grace. Faithful and godly, their God-ordained task in life was to walk faithfully and merely to bring into the world a child, but, as we know, a very particular child. And Elkanah, usually overlooked, is a man well worthy of note. 1 Samuel 1, 1-3 There was a man from Ramathaim, Sophim, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah, and the second Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. According to 2 Samuel 2.12, Eli's sons were wicked men. They did not respect the Lord or his offering. And in 2.21, it is also recorded that they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. They were in charge and blatant and forceful in their evil. 
Shiloh, the location of the tent of meeting, and the Ark of the Covenant, where the very presence of the Lord dwelt, was an unholy place because of them. And yet, this man, Elkanah, continued faithful in his obedience and devotion to the Lord, year after year, consistently. And so too, along with him, his wives and children. He was a man who was a real leader, consistent in his obedience and commitment to the law and to the Lord who gave that law. He was not put off, nor was he discouraged in either his duty or his faith by the presence of powerful and evil men. And he continued to walk faithfully and resolutely, despite the corruption at the heart of the tent of the meeting at Shiloh. So is there not a lesson for us here? Are we put off or out by others? Or can we be by what they say or what they do and how they behave. Our eyes are our eyes on men or on the Lord. Elkanah's eyes were on the Lord. Let our eyes be on the Lord also and not upon men. Do we remain faithful and resolute despite opposition and difficulty and even the bad example and lives of those who it seems should know better and actually often really do know better? And do we lead others around us in goodness? Are we strong in our faith? Are we steadfast? Elkanah was a steadfast man. The Lord would require and desire all of his people to be steadfast. Let us put this at the forefront of our prayers. Let us write it in our hearts steadfastness, immovable, committed. If our eyes are on him and we are steadfast despite all things to the contrary, we shall be strong and we shall be a people who strengthen others. If our eyes go to the wickedness that is around us in the world, in the church, in some places. If we look even at the example of others around us when they do not walk as they should, we 
may well be inclined to sway if our eyes are on the Lord himself alone individually each one of us individually each one of us our eyes on him we shall stand and be strong and as the body of Christ we shall be corporately strong In 1 Samuel 1, 4, 5 Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice he always gave portions of meat to his wife Penina and to each of his sons and daughters always no neglect at all toward any one of them inclusive always year after year but he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. So even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving, and even though he had gotten a second wife, most likely for the sake of having children, he had not discarded Hannah, nor remonstrated, nor complained, but honoured her highly, the double portion, the right of the firstborn, a man worthy of note. Do we honour each other and support each other in difficulty? Are we a strength and a support to those around us in this family here. And just looking now at Hannah a little, in 1 Samuel 1 7, year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? her husband, Elkanah, would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And she, being troubled and disconsolate, would not and could not hear him. And so he was troubled too. Penanias taunts about Hannah's barrenness and her own uh, fruitfulness broke Hannah's heart, anguish, tears, rivalry, jealousy, resentment in the house of the Lord could not be but at home as well. A troubled life for all of them, seemingly insoluble. Elkanah had no answer and surely he tried. Am I not more to you than ten sons? And it was the Lord's doing. For he had closed up her womb and given no explanation. To be barren was tantamount to being cursed. The womb of the faithful was blessed. Everyone would look at her and wonder. And the child full, Penina, was an ever painful scourge. 
Now Hannah wanted something, a child. The fault was seemingly with her. She took it to the Lord in prayer. He alone could open the womb and she would not give up. Single-minded determination with one focus, she would not give up. It was her real and total heart's desire. Nothing else would satisfy. And so she cried to him, in whose plan, unbeknownst in detail to her, she walked. But that desire needed to be refined. Did she pray only once? She was taunted every year at Shiloh, year after year. And common sense would suggest daily at home. Shiloh was special, the place of the Lord, the place of closeness and blessing. Penina would turn up the flame. Look how blessed I am, and you? Prayer would have been constant and fervent, and painful, even desperate. And God did not answer year after year. She wanted a child for herself, her status, no longer barren, but blessed. And she did not receive the answer until she prayed the right prayer that God wanted to hear and wanted to answer. And Samuel, the last and greatest of the judges of Israel, would be born as a consequence of that prayer. 1 Samuel 1, 10 to 11. Hannah's prayer. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears, making a vow. She pleaded, if you will take note of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. This I will give him, if you will give him to me, I will give him to you, contains a Nazarite vow of total dedication to the Lord. Giving away what she most aspired for and desired so completely to the Lord exclusively. And now he answered, for now it was his will that she now prayed in. Through all her pain she had now come to a place of conformity with the will and plan of God. She would have more children, but not until after she had completed her vow. 1 Samuel 2.18 Samuel served in the Lord's presence. This mere boy was dressed in the linen ephod. 
Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. May the Lord give you children by this woman in place of the one she has given to the Lord. Then they would go home. The Lord paid attention to Hannah's need and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. A remarkable and almost miraculous fertility after years of barrenness. The ephod was the garment of priests, Elkanah and Hannah being Levites, and Samuel would be approximately three years old when after weaning he was given into the Lord's service. Samuel means either name of God or God heard. And in all of this, she had Elkanah's support and it was his child as well. One Samuel one twenty one. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offerings to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband, Elkanah, replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. In this they were together, accepting the way and will of the Lord. They had always been together, one in the Lord, an ordinary and faithful Jewish family, giving to Israel in the plan of God, bringing forth the greatest of the judges and the last, bringing light into that darkness. So are we, the family of God, of course. We are one in Christ together. Are we too, as Elkanah, and Hannah, one in mind, are we bringing forth that which God requires? Are we praying the prayers that he wants to hear? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we fervent? Are we determined? Are we steadfast? Will we Bring forth the fruit of the Spirit and be the light of the world that God desires us to be. Will we be faithful, <coughs> committed and steadfast? Will we walk with the Lord, each one of us, individually, neither turning to the right or to the left? We are individually responsible to the Lord and then corporately.
It is my walk with the Lord as an individual that is important. It is my commitment. It is my steadfastness. It is not yours. This is important. My steadfastness. It is individually your thing too. Steadfastness, loyalty, walking with the Lord, turning neither to the right or to the left. And then corporately, we will bring forth the light of Christ into our troubled world. Thy kingdom come. When we pray, am I praying for my things? Or am I praying, your will be done? Will I accept at his hand whatever he wishes to give to me? Whatever he wishes me to be or to do? Will I give back to him my deepest, most heartfelt desires? Not my will, but thine be done. Will we fit in to his plan for our lives, for our church? Will we be truly his people, together, walking in one spirit? That's it. I'm going to stop there. <laughs>